Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of a Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed, and you can catch us online at sknr.net as we cover all things movies, games, television, travel entertainment, pop culture, television, and more. You can also catch me each week on BJ Shea's Geek Nation on KSWFM, uh, syndicated through the Intercom uh, Network. We also have it available in podcasts, uh, app streaming, direct streaming. We simulcast on our page, and uh, we cover sex and topics, pop culture, entertainment, but in a little more depth than we do in certain segments. And, of course, we also have our quarterly magazine, Skewed and Reviewed the Magazine. You can catch us on Sci-Fi Radio each week. And, of course, we have an archive of game reviews all throughout the network, including places from Open Critic to PinalCentral.com, which is a network of newspapers, and many more. And I'm joined, as always, with Justin and Michael, and we've got a lot of stuff to cover. So let's get right to it. But I do want to mention next week you are definitely going to want to tune in because we have uh, one of the heads, Joe, from Phoenix Fan Fusion coming on to talk about the show and all the great new stuff that's coming this year. I've been tipped off about a couple of things. I'm hoping he'll be able to go into more detail. But let's just say there's supposed to be a display from a major summer movie, one that is actually getting its debut next week. I'll leave it at that. And uh, we're looking forward to getting more information on that. So before we get to the topics, I just wanted to quickly mention a few games that came out this week. I've not had a chance to get them assigned to the staff and go into them in great detail, uh, but there's a, a 3D action platformer called Protodroid Delta, and it will be out on the 25th, and now that the embargo's up, we can definitely talk about it. It's coming on PC, Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and Nintendo uh, Switch, and it is a very interesting game and in that it's a fast, fluid 3D action platformer, and it's set in a solar punk world. So if you like a really interesting mix of uh, punk and color and a very interesting cast of characters, bosses to defeat, much more action like that, that is definitely something you'll want to check out. And we're hoping to have some video up in the not-too-distant future. Now, obviously, if you're looking for something a little more fan-friendly, there is a game called Sunshine Shuffle, which is a nice little animated game that is coming out on the 24th. And the great thing about it is it's a narrative poker adventure with talking animals, all who have criminal or shady paths, but adorable outfits. So you can play games like Texas Hold'em and more. And so if you like kind of an interesting little mix of uh, something that takes you beyond what the traditional poker games are, it puts a little bit of character to it. So uh, imagine kind of like colorful characters like you'd see in Animal Crossing or something like that only with an interesting past, playing poker, but yet still being uh, engaging. That's one that you're going to want to check out with Sunshine Shuffle. The last one I wanted to mention, I do have some video for this one up already. And honestly, I have been really enjoying this, although it is a bit tricky. And it's called Death Wish Enforcers. And it's kind of like a retro side-scrolling game. It made me think very much of the original Double Dragon. But in this one, you play as up to one to four players, and I'm playing it on the PS5. But you play as cop-style characters. There's a Dirty Harry-style character. There's a Charles Bronson-style character. There's an Emma Peel from the original Avengers-style character and a Cleopatra Jones-style character, uh, you know, Pam Greer type. 
and essentially you side scroll through things, avoiding things like billboards, jumping, shooting, taking down bad guys. But of course, you can also go into liquor stores to power up, go through the red light district, boss battles, and much more. The biggest problem I'm having is it's getting used to the controls because trying to dodge certain things and so on and so forth. Uh, like an arcade, they give you, I think, four or five lives, so when you've gone through your three, you can hit the button again and continue. So it's a lot of fun. Check out Deathwish Enforcers. Okay, gentlemen, so since we're on the topic of video games, we had some interesting news come up this week, and uh, that was that the announcement for the next Mortal Kombat game uh, could be imminent. It could be coming as soon as this week. It could be coming... Uh, even sooner. Now, we do know that this week uh, there are a few things coming up, like the Humble Game Showcase is set to kick off. And then, on top of it, uh, one of the interesting things we've heard is that it may not be Mortal Kombat 12, but more like MK1, which would essentially be a reboot of the franchise. So, uh, who wants to start it off? Michael or Justin? Who wants to talk about Mortal Kombat? I'll go ahead and start it off real quick. All um, right. I, the Mortal Kombat games have been outstanding the past couple of releases. I like the fact that they're potentially just going back to the original cast of characters and kind of giving them hopefully the same treatment that we've been getting with the latest Mortal Kombat games. Uh, you know, not that the first one needed a quote-unquote reboot, but it would be nice to see, again, just going back to the original cast of characters, um, the ones that kind of kicked off and started it all, and kind of getting the same kind of treatment that games have been getting. I think that's actually a really smart move. We've seen a lot of the new um, renditions of games. Uh, lately, the Resident Evil franchise has been getting a, uh, a new take on the originals. So I think it's actually a pretty smart move to kind of go back and, and take us back to where it all began with Mortal Kombat. And Justin, do you have a take, please? Yeah, I completely agree. Um, you know, I have a lot of nostalgia, just like anybody, I have a lot of nostalgia for the uh, early Mortal Kombat games. And I think going back you know, with newer mechanics, uh, the newer presentation style, I think that would be a pretty big deal. Um, you know, uh, I think the cast is maybe a little too small for the first one. I think they would probably would, if they're going to do a reboot, would probably, um, you know, not make it like a one-for-one -one remake of the first one, but probably add like a few other characters that, uh, you know, have become kind of staples of the franchise. Um but as the games go on, you know, if the, if this is something they're going to do, um, you know, remaking Mortal Kombat 2, 3, um, that would be a pretty big deal. Um, you know, it would definitely uh, kind of refresh the franchise. Not, not that it really needs a refresh. Like Michael said, a lot the, the latest ones have been very well received. So it, uh, I, I really could see it going either way. You know, if they do 12, they kind of like bring everything forward. I think that would be successful, but also kind of going back and doing a reboot. I think that would, um, you know, it would definitely be successful just because of how many people have kind of a nostalgic tie for the early, earlier games. What I find interesting about this is that if you think about it, there's so much potential. Michael mentioned going back to the original characters, which I think is a fantastic idea because we have to remember there is a larger Mortal Kombat universe in play right now. You've got the live action film. Uh, the second one in the works. You can probably guess with the success of the animated ones that there'll be more of those coming. I mean, obviously, uh, writer's strike res uh, resolving uh, yeah, would be a key part to this. But nonetheless, I think you can say somewhere down the line uh, this is going to happen. 
Now, where this really gets interesting for me is the whole subject of the characters. On one hand, you could say, absolutely, the classic characters, those are the ones we all enjoyed. And as the subsequent games came out, more and more characters, would some people who are more familiar with some of the newer characters have a problem with the classic games? And then I thought about it and said, this is a series that has been notorious for putting in things like the Predator, the Terminator, Jason, all these characters as DLC. This is a golden opportunity to say, you know what, buy the season pass because we're going to start off with the core characters, but all the classics that you love are eventually going to be released down the line, so you will get everybody from uh, the last game all the way down to this one eventually available, or at least more popular. I mean, obviously, if there was a character that, um, or characters that weren't standing out, um, you know, naturally, these are all things that uh, don't have to happen. But, wow, this is some really, really interesting stuff. That is for sure. Now, uh, staying in the world of video games, uh, nothing confirmed on this, but we have had reports that um, a brand new Destiny film and TV project may be planned. And this is apparently... Um, in the works of a former Warner Brothers Discovery executive is going to head up uh, looking into the expansion. Now, this is really, really an interesting thing because Bungie is doing this, but if you all, we all remember correctly, who bought Bungie recently? And, you know, you have to sit there and say, with the success of the Mario Brothers movie, does it really shock anybody that Sony slash Bungie as essentially saying, okay, what kind of uh, franchises do we have that might be ripe, uh, ripe for a uh, adaptation? So, Justin, we'll start with you. What do you make of this? That's definitely that's interesting. You know, uh, <laughs> Destiny is kind of an interesting game and setting for me, just because um, I have to be kind of careful what I say. I I like the game, the gameplay of Destiny, Destiny Two. Um, you know, I think. Bungie is um, one of the best developers in terms of like gunplay. Um, the the gunplay always feels really really good in all of their games. But there's there are aspects of this of the way Destiny's setting was set up and um, and conveyed to the player that just didn't really hook me. Um, I kind of I see what they were going for. I just didn't it just didn't land for me. So. I think it's going to be a pretty heavy lift for a uh, a movie or a TV show um, to basically to tell a, a story in that setting. Now, this really could be an opportunity to kind of like patch over the things I had issues with. Um, you know, the my issues with with the way Destiny's setting is is portrayed is that it's very it's very vague and. Um, you know, not that vague is necessarily a bad thing. Ambiguity, you know, I think there's a lot of great uh, settings that are, are very ambiguous in terms of, like, what's going on and what the backstory is. Um, you know, uh, obviously, uh, the From Software games are really good at that. But I just, the way that it happened in Destiny, it just didn't, it's just, it seems like there's a lot of information missing. Um, so maybe this would be an opportunity to kind of, you know, add some context and, uh, you know, tell some interesting stories in, in a setting that, you know, has re extremely great art style, um, but 
it's just for me that the setting needs a little bit of work in terms of you know aspects of it that to make it interesting and you know something i want i want to see a story in so i'm curious to see what they do um just because i think there's a lot of potential there it's just uh i think it's going to be kind of a heavy lift okay and michael your take please yeah i agree i mean i think games as a service kind of fall into this mold right and i'll, I'll admit destiny Destiny, I was not a big fan of until the later expansions. Then I kind of got into it. Destiny Two has been a lot better for me um, from a gameplay perspective. Um, I, I like the very the variety of you know enemies and the, the locations. But to Justin's point, the story is something that, and, and I don't know if it's just because it's it's hard to build a story on a game that's really geared towards uh, looting and shooting and 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 that sort of thing, and not really based on a single-player um, experience. And again, that's not to say you can't play Destiny as a single-player. I do it all the time. But it's really not meant to be a, a story-driven narrative. Um, they kind of provide some cutscenes. They provide some backstory. I mean, obviously, people flush it out uh, a lot. So if you really want to flush out the story, you kind of have to go and, and read about it <laughs> and how, how things are put together. Um, I kind of get lost in that, in that, so the story to me isn't a big hook. Um, again, I like the gameplay, I like the settings, I like playing it, but trying to follow the story for me has just been, been a challenge. And, and maybe it's because I don't keep up with every season, I don't keep up with every release immediately, I usually wait for them to go on sale. Um, and then I haven't played it for a while, so I have to go back and, and figure out where I left off. Uh, but, any, but again, it's more of a looter shooter type of game for me. And again, it's not to say that the world couldn't be interesting, and that they couldn't flesh out the world. Uh, I, again, I think, but I think building up from a, a movie, they pretty much have to start from the beginning and tell a story that really hasn't been told in the Destiny universe. And again, I, I just don't know how how much that's going to make it a Destiny movie versus let's just bring some characters into a, a film and tell a completely new story around it. So I don't know. Um, I'd be interested to see what they do with it. Um, you know, again, there's always been kind of mixed results. Uh, Destiny, I think, would probably lend itself better to a 10-episode streaming service because I, if they try to put that into a film, I think it's just going to be a big mess, to be honest. Um, even Halo as a, as a series, which I liked, um, still struggled to tell, I think, a compelling story all the whole way through. And that's even with Halo universe that was pretty fleshed out compared to Destiny. So yeah, we'll be we'll be interested to see. I, I really hope they go the streaming route in this case because I think as a movie it, it'd be a lot like the first Dune movie in my opinion, where it would be it, it would throw a lot of stuff at people who are not. And if you're not familiar with Destiny, I think it would be a really hard movie to follow. Um, where I think they when a streaming service they could do ten hours and flesh it out a bit more. But we'll see how it goes. I think that's exactly it. I mean, I played it, um, obviously, I finished the second one. I played a lot of the expansions. And then when it started to get pay-for-play, it became very difficult because, you know, we have a really good relationship with um, the company. But shortly before the pandemic, things changed and things weren't coming through uh, one source. They were coming through another, but it had to be approved by the other. And they started to really cherry-pick who got access to it and we did not get access to the last DLC and it looks like I dodged a bullet because it got horrible 
horrible reviews. And I was like, yeah, I'm not jumping back in. And that was for me, the big problem is that we know Joseph who comes on the show from time to time is a pretty avid player of it. And even he was getting to the point where it's like, you know, I don't know if just throwing me some DLC every few, you know, once or twice uh, a year or whatever the case may be is enough to bring me back because essentially it becomes the same thing. Go on a quest, fight the enemies. Here's the boss. There you go. And he said, it's not really advancing the story. It's more like, here's a collection of side quests and let's pretend it's advancing the story. So it will be interesting to see, but I think we can all agree that with the success of the Mario brothers movie, I think everybody is essentially going to start dusting off their properties to say, Hey, what do we have here that might uh, be a success? The problem is with that is but that often leads to a flood of very bad adaptations. But now that the studios are actually involved with the productions, who knows? Speaking of involved with the production, we had uh, some interesting stuff come in from Hollywood. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 apparently has done $60.5 million this weekend. And that is really good news for uh, Marvel because Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania opened big, dropped heavily the next week. This drop, while it is down considerably from their uh, prior one, is holding steady. They're currently at 475, almost 476 million worldwide. So, you know, they're looking at this going, sure, it's not going to be a billion dollar movie, but six, seven hundred million, eight hundred million, uh, and then the video on demand, DVD sales, so on and so forth, is not out of the question. And I mention that simply because next week we get the release of Fast and Furious 10, which is going to be kicking off. Uh, the summer movie season. We're going to be having sizable uh, releases coming. I know The Little Mermaid has had some very good early buzz on it. Uh, I'll be seeing that very soon. A lot of stuff uh, following that. So, you know, obviously, this is looking really good. I, in fact, uh, I mentioned, gentlemen, the Cannes Film Festival is coming up. Apparently, it's supposed to be extremely active this year. Because of the writer's strike, they're expecting a lot of these uh, foreign and independent films, as I projected, to get snapped up really quick to uh, U.S. distribution deals so they have content uh, to offer should the uh, cache of already filmed or about-to-be-completed films dry up that they have another uh, line of stuff. So that'll be interesting to see. But... Um, we are getting news, and I thought this was really, really, really interesting, that um, Fast and Furious uh, 10, which, as I said, comes out, was pitched as a two-film uh, two finale before they go into spinoffs. Now we're hearing stories that after seeing the uh, new one, that the studio is essentially saying we'd like a trilogy to wrap it up, so Fast and Furious 12 may indeed be happening. So, Justin, what do you make of all this? Yeah, I I mean that I feel like the Fast and Furious movies are are one of those where um, they could pretty much just keep going indefinitely until people kind of get tired of them, just because um, you know that there's there's the formula is really already there. It's um, you know high act, you know well well executed action, fast cars, you know um, well known actors and actresses. Uh, so it doesn't. To me, it doesn't matter as much um, what the story is. Uh, 
then again, you know, I haven't watched several of the the, the most recent ones, but they they continue to, to sell extremely well. So it, it's, it makes sense to me to just keep, you know, for them to just keep making them, um, you know, until they until people kind of get tired of that formula. Um, you know, I can definitely see, you know, why kind of capping out the story with the with the current characters, you know, with, maybe with a, with a with a trilogy, you know, a final movies. And then bringing in a new cast, it, I I just feel like it just seems the natural thing for for them to just keep making them if they keep doing well. Um, you could just because it's it seems very easy to to make those not easy to make those kinds of movies, but kind of easy to uh, you know m- make a movie that is just high action. Um, you know, you don't have to worry about the story as much. And Michael, your take, please. Yeah, I don't have an unpopular opinion, but I'm not, I'm not, I haven't actually a fan of them at all, so I haven't seen one since the first one, um, bits and pieces of others, but yeah, I don't think story's ever been a pivotal point in these movies, other than the first one, I, I like the first one because of the story, um, after that, it's kind of, in my opinion, gotten a little bit silly, so I just, it just doesn't appeal to me, but I know it does appeal to a lot of other folks out there, um, but I don't necessarily know that they need a trilogy, because again, nobody's going to these movies for the story. Let's face it; they're going there for the action. They're going there for the the cars. I, they don't have to have any story to draw people to these ones because they really, realistically, haven't had a story for a long time. So, uh, you know, I, again, whether they wrap it up with a trilogy or they just simply keep making the movies and then introduce new characters, I don't think it makes a difference. Honestly, I don't even know that people would notice it's a trilogy other than them telling them it's a trilogy. Um, you know, because they've been trying to. There's been a lot of focus on maintaining a lot of the same cast. Um, sure, people people leave and then people come back, but but the reality is, again, they're they're going for the chase scenes, they're going for the car scenes, um, a lot like their Sharknado type um, draw. They're going for the big action and the, the silliness of it all. They're not going for the story. So again, whether or not they do it as a trilogy or they just make a couple more movies um, that are they're all loosely tied together, anyways. Um, I don't think it makes any difference as far as whether they're going to bring in money, because obviously they will. Well, that's the key. Money is uh, ultimately what talks. And I looked at it, and Fast 8 made $1.2 billion. Fast 9, which people may not remember, was released right in the middle of the pandemic as theaters were starting to reopen, because people forget in many areas the theaters opened and then had to close again because a new wave hit, and then they started opening again. And that still made almost seven, at, well, about $726 million worldwide. And then that's not counting all the money that they made on pay-per-view and on demand because people were still in many areas not quite ready to go back to the uh, theater. So the fact is, as long as people are lining up to see them, they're going to keep finding ways to make them. And as you said, the option is always going to be, okay, so maybe then Diesel and people walk away they're going to keep uh, finding spinoffs and things to do until people essentially say, okay, uh, I'm not coming. Now, the new film is going to be rather interesting in that reportedly it was over $300 million to make the movie. So the question is going to be, how much do they make back? Is it going to be closer to the billion dollars that the prior one, uh, the two prior films were, or is it going to be more in the, 700 million range because if it makes six to 700 million you may have to say boy this is a bit of a disappointment so let's figure out what's coming 
on a happier side, uh, let's pivot back to games here. Uh, Summer Game Fest has announced that more than 40 partners are set to participate in activities. The showcase is going to take place at the YouTube Theater in Inglewood, California on June 8th. And right now, tickets are available for those who want to go, I believe, through Ticketmaster and stuff. You can just go to SummerGameFest.com and find out. But some of the heavyweights that are going to be involved include PlayStation, Xbox, EA, Activision, Capcom, Square Enix, Ubisoft, Bandai Namco, Epic, Devolver, uh, Gearbox, Warner Brothers, Disney, and CD Projekt Red. And there's also other companies from Amazon Games to Digital Extremes and more. And so a lot of people are very interested in this. Sony is also planning to showcase upcoming PlayStation games in a, di a digital event that's coming uh, soon after. We know about the Microsoft Starfield Showcase and many more. So, uh, Justin, what do you think? What are you looking forward to and what are you expecting? Yeah, so as we know, E3 is, uh, is no longer happening. So I think as we kind of get into the June time frame, um, coming up pretty soon we're gonna start seeing a lot of events um around the time that we would have gotten e3 so we will see a lot of news i think out of a lot of these companies i think sony is kind of due for a big showcase uh, i think as you mentioned um i've been hearing a lot of rumors of, of you know a pretty big sony showcase coming up soon um we'll probably see a pretty big uh showing for starfield like, like you just mentioned um you know, and obviously Summer Games Fest is pretty much starting around the time that we would be getting E3. So I think uh, starting basically, you know, we'll probably get a little bit this, this month. Uh, there always is kind of some early reveals um, the month before E3, E3 would have been. But I think really June, July, August uh, are probably going to be pretty big months for, for gaming news. Just spread across all three months instead of all in basically one week. Um so I, I that's sort of what I'm expecting. So basically, you know, big big Sony showcase. I think Nintendo will probably have some kind of event in the next three months, uh, one of their directs, uh, to kind of show off what's going to be coming out at the end of the year. Um, we'll probably see a big uh, Starfield showcase, um, and then obviously some some smaller shows for probably uh, EA and Activision. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much what we're looking at for the next couple months. And Michael, your take, please. Yeah, I mean, looking at the list, I think Nintendo is the only one not showing up to this event. Uh, I think it's funny that Samsung Gaming Hub is going to be there. For those who aren't familiar with that, on newer Samsung TVs, I've got one, in fact, um, it allows you to stream, um, direct stream games from various individuals. Xbox is on there. They partner with Samsung Gaming Hub. Um, so for those who are looking to, to stream without a, um, if you have like an Xbox uh, Game Pass, uh, subscription, you can actually stream directly to your TV uh, with a Bluetooth controller without any sort of uh, connectivity of a, of a um, console or anything like that. Uh, similar to what Stadia was attempting to do, but Stadia we kind of discussed with their subscription model, I think it was ultimately what doomed them. But yeah, looking at the list, I mean, uh, this pretty much is going to be the E3 replacement. I think I don't, I don't think E3 will be coming back. I think we've kind of talked about that before. Um, clearly, Summer Game Fest has a much uh, bigger draw right now. I mean, again, you get Sony and Xbox 
which are two of the major contributors that E3 was not able to um, to bring on board. Uh, a lot of these things are done virtually, so it's easier and a lot cheaper for these companies to um, deliver their content. Um, you get even folks like EA, who have been doing their own show for years outside of E3, are now partnering with Summer Game Fest. So I think this will be the next um, the next big thing, next Gamescom. Um, whereas Gamescom tends to be a bit, bit more outside of just gaming. They tend to do cosplay and kind of do a... Um, it, it's a it's a big gaming festival, but it also has cosplay and other things that are added to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, looking at all of um, the the upcoming um, news, I think we're going to get a lot of announcements, a lot of reveals. Uh, obviously, we're going to get some more focus on probably Diablo Four, which is kind of finishing up some of the beta um, tests. Um, we'll probably get something about a new Call of Duty game that might be coming out. Um, obviously. Um, We'll see hopefully some more Starfield type stuff, uh, maybe a bit more towards Elders, um, Elder Scroll. Although again, that's probably several years down the road, um, and maybe something from CD Projekt Red. We might even see something like a, a new Witcher type game coming out. Um, obviously, some maybe some DLC expansions to um, the Cyberpunk stuff. So just um, all in all, I think it's going to be a huge um, opportunity to showcase a lot of the stuff coming up. How many unannounced things, I don't know, but we'll probably get to see a lot more focus and a lot more um, game trailers that we haven't seen of games that are hopefully coming up towards the end of 2023 and in early 2024. And Justin, did you have anything else you wanted to add to it? Because I do have something to tag it off with. No, I think uh, Michael pretty much covered it. Like we, we, We'll see... Um, you know, basically E3 replacement with, with the next few months and, you know, a lot of, a lot of big, probably pretty big reveals. Okay. So what I know is Nintendo is doing one of their directs and it's going to be simultaneously around when PAX West happens. So that is, you know, the mystery of what's going on with Nintendo. And then we got some news the other day about Call of Duty. I did this on the radio show. Uh, obviously not from Activision or, uh, you know, anything, but as we discussed, the new Call of Duty game was originally not supposed to happen until next year, and the plan was another year of free DLC, and uh, this time around there would actually be something that was going to give a expansion to the storyline. The DLC has always been new game modes, new maps, that sort of thing. And so what we are looking at is a new game. Uh, you know, there is debate whether essentially this was going to be a big chunk of the um, DLC plan for the year, but they're still planning on putting DLC out. Who knows? But what we're hearing is October is going to be the reveal and the beta. You might get a reveal slightly beforehand, but everything I have been told is that Sledgehammer Games is doing it, that... It is going to be beta tested in October, and this one will release in November, uh, unlike some of the previous ones that have been coming in early October. I mean, the, back in the day, it used to be they would come out a week or two before Thanksgiving, so they were all ready to go to the stores. So that's what I'm hearing. Take it for what it's worth. I mean, that can all change on a dime, but uh, I think, you know, we can all look forward to something new in that category. So lots of stuff to look forward to. I'm really excited to see and hear 
uh, what's coming up because, you know, we're getting ready to pivot. As I said, next week we'll have Joe from uh, Phoenix Fan Fusion on. Uh, and then we've got Summer Game Fest to cover. It won't be very long until Michael and I are dealing with San Diego Comic-Con and doing the coverage and everything there. Obviously, the labor situation in Hollywood will be really big news. But I wanted to end today with some uh, interesting news for uh, travel and entertainment. So as we're getting travel coming up, I've got a few trips coming up in the not-too-distant future. A uh, very unexpected surprise uh, came from SeaWorld of San Diego. Now, we knew their new um, roller coasters in the works. Apparently, we did the hard hat tour. We have a video up of that. And the um, ride cars actually arrived the other day. So, apparently, they are putting them on the track. They're going to be doing the final prep and the testing, uh, getting ready to open soon. Well, then, out of the blue, completely, uh, you know, from nowhere, it seemed, they announced Rescue Junior, which is a park expansion, and it is uh, pretty impressive looking. You know, my thought was, okay, it looks like it's you, it would be in the children's play area. But then the funny thing about it is, well, when did they do this? Because it doesn't look like it was under construction when we went through to do the hard hat tour recently. But what they're going to do is they're going to have a couple of family and children appropriate rides from Rescue Riders to Rescue Raptors to the Tide Pool Twist, which is kind of like their variation on the teacups. But then there's a mini rescuer training zone, a splash zone, uh, rescue hero uh, zone. It's kind of like, I think, where the Sesame Street characters would come out and much more. And they're getting ready to open that up. And, of course, uh, Knott's Berry Farm is getting into their summer fest. We have some B-roll and some uh, photos up on the page. One of them, a uh, big opening, is the reimagined Fiesta Village. And so this is going to ultimately culminate with the brand new Montezuma's Revenge, which has had a huge uh, reconstruction, and it's going to be called Montezuma the Forbidden Forest. It's not going to open with that Fiesta Village this summer because it's still being worked on, but it is coming. Uh, they're going to be doing Ghost Town Alive, the Not Summer Nights, which I think is fantastic. If you haven't seen it, folks, there's a whole bunch of specialty foods. This is what Knott's is known for, that in addition to their regular foods and dining plans, they have specialty stuff at Christmas time, uh, during the Berry Festival, during Halloween, so on and so forth. They have that, but they also have a bunch of live music, and that is a really big thing. There are lots of different styles of music. You can go watch uh, some very good bands up on the main screen and, of course, uh, main screen, main stage. And, of course, if you want to take in the water park, Soak City is available. And then they have the annual passes, which uh, make it very affordable to go. I believe it's still an annual pass that you can pay for in installments. It's still cheaper than two visits. And you get things like the food and shopping discounts. I know when we use it at the hotel, we get a discounted rate and we get our parking included. So lots of stuff there that you are going to want to check out because, you know, weather's good. Things are getting better in the world. It's time to get out and about again. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what that's all about. And, folks, that is going to do it for us this week. Until next week when we have our special guest and more. I hope you have a very safe week, and we will talk to you soon.